Hey there, and thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren, and I manage the Adulting is Easy blog and podcast, realadultingiseasy.com. My podcasts can also be found pretty much anywhere you'd like to listen to them. I'm joined today by Courtney Blodgett, the founder of Yield Positive, whose mission is to help everyday investors yield positive, positive returns, positive impact through sustainable investing. She's worked for more than 15 years on sustainable finance. She was a climate finance advisor to the United Nations and led the impact investing team at Vulcan, the family office of Paul G. Allen, Microsoft's co-founder. Courtney is a sustainable investor herself, doing personal personal sta- sustainable investing since her early 20s. Thanks for being here, Courtney. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Our goal for today is to make adulting a bit easier for our listeners, as you know, by discussing a personal finance topic, since managing money is a big part of adulting. So today, Courtney and I are going to discuss value investing, and there's a lot of other ner- other uh, terms which we'll talk about, but why don't we start about what Yield Positive, which is the name of your site, why don't we talk about what that means first? Yeah, so Yield Positive is the fact that you can yield a positive financial return while having a positive impact in the world, and so I think as we're starting to look at our our finances and our investing, bearing in mind that our investment can have the power to do good. And so we can yield positive on both the finance and impact. And how did you become passionate about this topic? I've worked on climate change for my entire career, and I've always focused on how we can use the private sector and finance to help reduce emissions and help to better sustainable development around the world. And so in alignment with my work, I believe that we can also do this from a personal level. We can use our power to do good. And 50% of households in the U.S. are invested in the stock market, whether that's directly or through a retirement fund. And 90% of households have or more have a savings account. And so there's a lot of opportunity for almost all Americans to use their investment to, to have positive impact that's aligned with their values. And there's a lot of different terms associated with this. So I just wanted to go through them a little bit and define them as best we can. Um, can you tell us what ESG investing is? That's kind of the new one that I think some listeners might be seeing as they start to research this idea. Yeah, you'll see ESG investing pop up a lot as you're looking at different funds. You see um, the Vanguard ESG investing fund and um, ESG investing stands for environmental, social and governance investing. And this is a data-driven approach that looks at many different aspects of a company. So normally when people are making investments, they're looking at the financial aspects of a company. With ESG investing, you're also looking at the company's carbon footprint, labor conditions, the number of women and people of color on board, on boards of the company. And so you're looking at this with the viewpoint of how do these different factors affect the potential performance and risk of that company? And the main objective is just to have a better and bigger picture of the indicators associated with a company or with a fund that includes a number of different companies. Which makes logical sense that 
if you're just focusing on financials, and we've seen this, of course, over time, if companies become too short-sighted and only focus on financials, it really doesn't end up actually boding well for investors in the long term, right? They might hit their numbers in the short term or focus on every quarter. Um, so it makes sense that if they're taking a long-term approach with their business by um, making sure they have diversity of thought in their leadership, making sure they're treating their employees well, worrying about the environment, it makes a lot of sense that the um, financial results will then follow, right? Exactly. And you know, one thing that we've paid a lot of attention to this year, it's about time, um, as a society is racial justice and, for instance, diversity in a company. And they've found companies that are more diverse have a tendency to perform better because there's more innovation, there's more different viewpoints happening. And so if we aren't paying attention to these other indicators, like you said, we're just looking at really the short term and we're not thinking, well, what happens if there's an environment, if there's an oil spill? Does this company have proper plans in place to deal with that? What happens if there's corruption at a management level in a company? Are there plans and structures in place to be able to adapt and respond quickly to these issues that aren't normally captured when you just look at the financial numbers of a company. How do people know if these things are in place? Like you just mentioned, like a corruption plan or the oil spill plan, is that all going to be public avail- publicly available information? That's a great question. So there are a number of companies out there that create these ESG indicators uh, for different individual, normally publicly traded companies, and they pull data from a number of different data sources. So you have, for instance, on greenhouse gas emissions, you have something called CDP or the Carbon Disclosure Project, where a lot of publicly traded companies are starting to report on their greenhouse gas emissions and the activities that they're taking to reduce their emissions. You have a voluntary form that companies can complete about their racial diversity of their employees. And we finally this year have seen an increase in the number. It's it's not a high enough increase, but we've seen a bit of an increase in the number of publicly traded companies that are reporting. So some of this companies are reporting. Some of it is found by looking through company reports, and some of it is a bit of a guess. Got it. That makes sense. And so moving on then, I guess, from ESG investing, I've also seen the term impact investing. Is that different? It is different. Um, So ESG investing, as I mentioned, is mainly focused on the financial performance of the company, but looking at it from a much bigger picture. Impact investing is really focused on making a positive impact with your investment. And so one organization that some people might know is an organization called Kiva, where you can provide loans to entrepreneurs and people all over the world. And it's a way to support economic development around the world. And when you're doing that, you're not, you you can earn your, your principal back from the loan. You may lose some of it. Um, but the aim of that is really to help people around the world who don't have access to capital in the traditional way or who need a lower interest rate than what is provided in their countries. And so the focus of impact investing is is really around using your money to make impact. And hopefully you're also able to 
make a, a good financial return, but the first focus is that impact. Gotcha. That's so helpful. Um, so I noticed, and even in your bio and all over Yield Positive, we talk a lot about sustainable investing. Um, and I've also seen, you know, ethical investing, value-based investing, social, socially responsible investing. So ESG, we talked about environmental, social, government, financial focus, right? But taking all these other, all this other data into account that would then lead to some good financial performance. We just talked about impact investing, which is where you focus on making an impact first and hope the financial performance will follow. How do how does sustainable investing, ethical investing, value-based investing, socially responsible investing, how does that differ from ESG and impact investing? Yeah, sustainable investing or value-based investing is really looking to balance that impact and that financial performance. And so it's it's looking at all of the different indicators that we talked about with ESG investing. It's thinking about what are your personal values? Where do you really want to make an impact? And then how do you bring those two together to be able to have those positive financial returns and have that positive impact? So what are some examples of those values? We talked about the environment. Um, what, what else might there be? Yeah, there's many different values that you can think about as you're making value-based investments. So it can be, you know, environment and conservation. It can be water. It can be climate change. It can be gender equality. It can be racial equity. It could be private prisons not supporting them. It can be guns, tobacco, alcohol, community development. So there's a whole host of values that we need to think about what are our priorities when we're looking at our investments. And then we can apply that across our portfolio. So one, the first step I give to a lot of people as they're starting to think about value-based investing is around bank accounts. Um, as I mentioned, you know, more than 90% of Americans have bank accounts, and the vast majority of us have a bank account at the bank that we started in when we were a teenager or a bank that our parents had or where we happened to open account. And we don't mm -hmm. necessarily realize that by having that money in that bank, that bank is using our money to then help provide financing to projects and to companies that we might not support. So one of the first places people can start is thinking about their bank accounts. There's a great website called Mighty Deposits where you can look up your bank to see what they're associated with and to see if that bank is aligned with your values. And you might decide that that bank is not aligned with your values. And then you can switch, for instance, to a community development finance institution or CDFI, which helps support entrepreneurs of color, female entrepreneurs. You can support a credit union which is often investing in your local community, or you can invest in a bank like Aspiration, which does not provide any financing to fossil fuel projects. That's so fascinating. And something that we probably do take for granted, you know, say we, say, I think we understand maybe we don't like the particular bank, right? Maybe we don't agree, for example, don't mean to throw Wells Fargo under the bus here, right? But They've obviously been basically outed as having created fraudulently 
tons and tons of accounts for investors. And this led to a ton of fees and in some cases, um, car loan issues and repos and just a lot of terrible things came from this culture that was very short term driven on opening accounts, bonuses for people, things like that. I think people understand I don't want to support maybe Wells Fargo, but because of the because of Wells Fargo. But then to take it a step further is who is Wells Fargo supporting? Are they financing private prisons? Or is Bank of America um, financing, um, like you said, maybe their their biggest client is uh, Philip Morris or one of the tobacco you know people or guns. Staying away from if you if you really don't believe in guns, you know where does the NRA bank right? So those are really interesting. That's a really interesting idea that I truly had never thought about before. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think this is what we a lot of us are starting to realize is that our money every place that we put it we are then enabling investments and so thinking we do actually have the power to control that i think many of us see our investments as completely separate from how we act in the world the change we want to have the values that we hold when actually, you know, we need to start thinking, where is our money going? Is it aligned with how we live our lives? Do you think that people, when they start, and maybe this was you, when they start thinking about value and investing and start really working on aligning their investments with their values, that they have this like very shocked moment and maybe like some shame and regret that it they've allowed this to go on for so long? Yeah, I think so. Um, I started doing sustainable investing when I was in my early 20s, and I really looked at my mutual funds and my stocks, but I kept my my banking in the banks that I'd had since I was a kid. And so it wasn't until a few years ago that I realized, you know, my credit card, my bank account, that everything, my 401k, all of those things um, were not in alignment with my values and 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 the bank account one. I was like, how have I banked with this bank for as long as I have? I just hadn't thought about the bigger picture of where my money was. So yeah, I think many of us, the majority of us will have that moment and we're like, wow, okay. Um, but the good news is there's something we can do about it that's fairly easy. So beyond checking your bank accounts, which is awesome, and going to a site like Mighty Deposits, like you said, what else can you do to invest according to your values? Yeah, I think it depends on what we have for investments, um, but our mutual funds and ETFs, another great resource is one put out by As You Sow. It's a nonprofit, um, and they have a program called Invest Your Values, and you can put in the name of your mutual fund or your ETF, your exchange traded fund, and it gives you a sustainability report card. So you can see how that fund performs on a number of different issues, like many of the issues we talked about, guns, tobacco, climate change, deforestation, and and gender equality, um, and private prisons, I think they recently added. So it gives you that report card and you can see, does that fund hold companies that are um, engaged with private prisons, for instance? And so that gives you a way to first check and see, 
are your investments aligned with your values? And then you can begin to look and see, are there investment opportunities that are supporting what you want to support in the world? Are there ESG funds? Are there sustainable funds? Um, And there are many out there. and, And that same website can tell you funds that receive an A on all sustainable sustainability issues, for instance. Um, or you could start to look for funds that, for instance, have no fossil fuels included in them. Um, so there's a lot of different types of funds that can be aligned with your values. And it's just a matter of starting to do that research and figure out what are your values and are you looking to include certain companies or exclude. So for instance, if climate change is an issue you believe very strongly about, do you want to exclude fossil fuel companies? Or are you looking to include renewable energy companies and electric vehicle companies? So there's that inclusion and exclusion. Um, And then one of the other final pieces that I think is a really important part of sustainable investing and value-based investing that most of us don't think about is shareholder activism. When you own a share or stock in a company, you will receive uh, an email or a letter saying you can vote in the annual board meeting on these different issues that are proposals that are on the table. And there are some great organizations out there that are putting values-based proposals Um, into these board meetings. And so you can vote on whether a company is going to do that reporting on racial diversity, whether a company is going to ensure that they have proper labor practices in place. And so when that board meeting comes up, you as a part owner of a company should vote on those sustainable proposals if you want to help make a change in that company. Great point. I love it. And I'm glad that we're talking so much, Courtney, about research, because I think I read, maybe you can fact check me here. I think I read that this isn't the most regulated thing. What I mean by that is there might be a fund that says ESG in it, but it might not be as, um, you know, environmental or socially friendly as you might think it would be. Yeah, and that's a great point. Um, one of the things that really got me revved up and and to create Yield Positive was when I was looking into ESG funds and I saw, for instance, that ExxonMobil was in an ESG fund. Mm-hmm. And that is one company that I, as somebody who works on climate change, I really abhor ExxonMobil. And seeing that they were in my ESG fund, my mind was blown. They have done so much single-handedly um, to accelerate climate change and to stop the information from coming out to the public about the impacts of fossil fuels on climate change. So seeing them in the ESG fund really woke me up about the need to do my own research. And you could do that by looking at the holdings of what is in your fund. And it requires a bit of digging, um, but you should be able to look and see which companies are included in that fund. And you have to figure out the names of the different companies. So some research is required, um, but that's another reason why websites like As You Sow are so great, because they've done a lot of that, that research for you and then give you this nice sustainability report card, which you can then 
look and see why they gave that specific score to the fund. Um, but to do sustainable investing in a way that's really aligned with your values, you do need to do that research. Does as you so also tell you about the financials? So would there be like, and this is an A, right? It's got these A scores. It's really good in terms of, you know, social responsibility and value-based investing. You know, it aligns with your values. Um, does it tell you how it's performing? It does. It gives you the financial performance information. Um, but just like when you're creating any investment portfolio, you need to realize that your portfolio is unique to you, unique to your risk portfolio, uh, your risk profile, unique to when you're going to retire. And so I think it's important to not forget about all of the other basic investment principles that you need to diversify, that you need to think about. Are you willing to invest in high risk reward types investments or do you want low risk, low reward? So it's it's ensuring that because we're looking at both things, we're looking at impact and we're looking at financial performance, that you want to maintain those basic investment principles and then layer impact in on top of that. So is it possible to to be po- properly diversified and invest according to your values? It is. Yeah, there are so many different types of funds out there that can be aligned with your values, funds or investments or bank accounts or public offerings. There's a whole suite of investment opportunities uh, that are aligned with different people's values. But it's ensuring that you keep in your mind, okay, I need to not go down a rabbit hole and get really excited about focusing on companies that have good labor practices. And maybe those companies are all in one sector or all large cap companies. You want to remember, okay, don't go down a rabbit hole just because of that impact. You need to look at Am I looking at different types of companies, different sectors, different sizes of companies when you're making your investments? Mm -hmm. That makes such good sense. And we mentioned this briefly, um, 401ks, there's a somewhat limited list of what you can invest in. And actually, they've found that the more options there are, the fewer people enroll in 401ks, which I will find always find endlessly interesting. But what if your 401k doesn't give you an option that you're really happy with that aligns with your values? What do you do? Yeah, that's a great question. So our employers are the ones who work with a company to co- choose the options that can be provided to employees. You know, it's 401k or 403b, I believe is the one for um, nonprofits. There are a number of different retirement funds. And you can ask your employer to add a a new option that has, um, that is a sustainable or ESG fund option. And I've talked to, you know, smaller companies and larger companies, you know, one of um, I wrote a blog about a woman who I spoke to worked for a small company and opened up her mutual fund options and saw that there was Philip Morris and Shell. And she was like, this is not what I want. So she was <laughs> able to ask her employer, oh, can you add an ESG option? And they asked their fund manager. And then a short while later, they had it. 
And that's for a small company. So it's sometimes not quite as easy for a larger company. If you work with your colleagues and say, okay, what are our values? And you put together a letter of what your values are as a group of of coworkers and then have a bunch of coworkers go with you and to whoever is the sponsor in your company and say, look, we would like to have this fun option added. There's your employer is supposed to be providing you with options that are in the employee's best interest. And so you as an employee have the right to ask to have a fund option added. And I would bet that if you were to start socializing this around your company, you'd be surprised how many people don't even know what their 401k is invested in or what the choices are. I agree. And just going through that process, I think, would be really educational and enlightening for a lot of people to to know that they have that choice, to know that it, their employer is the one who selects their fun options. And so you should have the right to ask for another option. Yeah, I I love the advice that you've shared today. You know, listeners need to, first of all, basically do some soul searching, decide what their values are, then check their bank accounts, right? Do that research on, on Mighty Deposits, and then also look into their mutual funds and ETFs if they're invested in those, um, and go to As You Sow to do that. Um, then they can include or exclude certain funds or certain companies and they can get active in certain companies if they want to see changes made within them, vote on those proposals, like you said, whether it's value-based or reporting or if it's about labor practices. Um, and then also they can they need to be looking at, you know, what are, what are their 401ks, what are their retirement plans invested in? Um, is there anything else that you'd like to tell listeners before we wrap up? Well, I would like to say that, you know, to encourage people to think throughout every place they use their money. You know, this year we heard a lot about buying from businesses of color, supporting businesses of color. You know, where you get your mortgage from, again, that's an investment. Um, what type of car you buy, whether it's a fuel efficient car or or not, you know, you really have the power over what your money does in the world. And so just thinking about that as you spend your money, but also realizing it's a big, scary, somewhat messy world. Um, I have hope that the next administration will put in place regulations around definitions so it'll become easier for us um, to do sustainable and value-based investing. But in the meantime, baby steps are okay um, I have bought stocks and companies that I thought were were sustainable and later learned they want, weren't. And so I sold that. So there's no right or wrong. It's a process. So start with what is easiest for you. Um, and, and just think, you know, if you have a financial advisor, ask your financial advisor for sustainable investment options. And your financial advisor is a service provider and should be able to provide you with that. Ask your employer. Just you really have this power and control over the impact that your your money makes. And so just bearing that in mind throughout your life. Yeah, definitely. The future should hold more regulations, right? So the likes of Enz, um, Exxon don't end up in ESGs, right? I, I don't yeah. think there's any reason that that should happen. Um, and then also, I think for the future, 
Generation Z, right, which is the generation after me and maybe mine, you know, the rest of the millennials, we, I believe, are a more active and a more aware generation. And and I think Gen Z definitely is too, if my sister is any indication. And so I think people need to keep in mind that, yes, it's just you, right? But if you are thinking this way, other people are thinking this way. And together, we can be a really strong force for holding companies and holding private business accountable. Exactly. All right. Managing money is a huge part of adulting and understanding that your investments can align with your values and the steps you can take to get your portfolio to align with your values is certainly a part of managing your personal finances. And I would argue is going to be an increasing part of managing your personal finances going forward. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Would you like to tell people how they can connect with you? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Um, You can visit my website at yieldpositive.com and we're on social media at yield underscore positive. And I will put in the um, some of those resources that you mentioned, um, like money deposits and as you sow. Um, and maybe even that blog that you mentioned about that, how the that woman got her small company to add an ESG to their um, employer-sponsored plan. So I'll put all of that um, in the show notes. So you can follow me on Twitter at Adulting is Easy. I'm also on Facebook at the same name. You can email me at realadultingiseasy at gmail.com. You can show support at patreon.com slash adultingiseasy. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Hopefully, we've made adulting a little easier for you.